0: A reading from the first letter of St. John. I am writing to you children because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have conquered the evil one I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God remains in you and you have conquered the evil one. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, sensual lust, enticement for the eyes, and a pretentious life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Yet the world and its enticements are passing away. But whoever does the will of God remains forever the word of the lord let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice give to the lord you families of nations give to the lord glory and praise give to the lord the glory due his name let Heavens be glad, and, the, and earth the earth rejoice. Bring gifts and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him, all the earth. Let
1: the be, be glad and the earth rejoice.
0: Say among the nations, the Lord is king. He has made the world firm, not to be moved. He governs the peoples with equity.
1: Let the speak and, and the Amen. earth... Oh Dominos Vobiscus. Et cum spiritum Do. Lectio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phaneel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Israel. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. <laughs> Today is the sixth day of the octave of Christmas to continuation of yesterday's gospel, bringing Anna, the prophetess, into the picture. Simeon and Anna give witness of what it means to have patient suffering, patient waiting. They are part of the four joyful mystery of the rosary, the presentation of our Lord in the temple. During the octave of Christmas, it's custom to pray the joyful mysteries of the rosary every day. Today, in that mystery, the prophecy of Simeon is given, and Anna is a part of it. Pope St. John Paul II said, Simeon and Anna, a man and woman, representatives of the old covenant, who in a certain sense had lived their whole lives for that moment, went into the temple of Jerusalem, would be visited by the expected Messiah. Simeon and Anna understand that the moment has come at last and reassured by the meeting, they can face the last phase of their life with peaceful hearts. Perhaps Simeon and Anna can be patrons for elderly persons who not just await the Messiah in his second coming, but perhaps Simeon and Anna can be patrons of the elderly who await and pray for and sacrifice and fast for their children, who come back to the who are away from the faith who fast and pray that they come back to the practice of the faith. We ask them, for all of your children, that they might come back to the faith, come back to the true temple, the church. According to the law of Moses, 40 days after the birth of the firstborn male son, a woman was to come to the temple to be purified. Mary and Joseph did this out of obedience and fidelity to faithfulness to the law. Each firstborn male son was presented to the Lord as a sacred offering. This was done in memory of the deliverance of the firstborn of Israel from the destruction in Egypt through the sprinkling of blood on door lentils. The sprinkling of blood on the door lentils that saved those children, was a prefiguration that points us to the blood of the God-man, Jesus Christ, that cleanses us from our sins. On the same note, each time a firstborn son was presented in the temple, the offering was pointing to God the Son, who came to save not only the Jews, But the entire people of God, all peoples, foreigners, Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles alike, he came to save. Simeon's prophecy is twofold. Notice the first half involves Christ and the second half involves his mother Mary. We are told that Simeon has been waiting the consolation of Israel, the promised Messiah. And he knew that he would not see death until his eyes had rested upon the Messiah. And he had faith that this would happen. And taking a child in his arms, he prophesied, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon also said, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise in many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. His prophecy is ultimately pointing to Christ's passion. His suffering and death on the cross. Again, this child that was born on Christmas Day was born to die. He had life from all eternity, from the Father. From the bosom of the Father, he had life, eternal life. But this child was born in the flesh to redeem us from our sins. His prophecy became true that Christ the child, the God-man, would be contradicted, opposed, denied by the people who he came to redeem and set free. Simeon said to the Blessed Virgin, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon prophesied that Christ's mother, his closest associate, would share in his passion, that the mother of the God would share in the passion of her own son. And any mother out there knows how heart-wrenching it is to see your child rejected or even sick in any way. I dare say that you would rather take on the pain of your child than to see your child sick or suffer or rejected. It's just instinctual to mothers. To so imagine the mother of God, knowing who her child is is, the Messiah. She would have been all the more crushed in witnessing firsthand people rejecting and despising him. Remember, even before she gave birth, the virgin birth in Bethlehem, he had been rejected already. There was no room for him in the end rejected already even before his birth and rejected all throughout his life. The gospel passage from St. Luke tells us for the third time in the infancy narrative that Mary is the Ark of the Covenant who carries the glory of the Lord. The first text is the Annunciation. The second text is the Visitation. And the gospel account of the presentation of the Lord is the third account. All gospel passages pointing of Mary being the ark, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. The main point that St. Luke, the author of these gospels, wants to make is that Jesus Christ is the God-man. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. St. Luke is conveying that Mary is the new ark of the covenant, that what she holds within her womb, the true bread come down from heaven. The old ark, manna in the desert, she holds within her womb the God-man the king of kings and lord of lords, the shepherd, the old ark, the, sh- the staff of Aaron. And she holds within her womb the word made flesh, the old ark, the tablets of the law. You see how Mary is the ark. and She holds within the context of her womb, the God man, the word made flesh. The Ark of the Covenant is the place where God dwells. The glory of the Lord. In the Annunciation, when St. Luke describes how Mary will conceive, he draws from a text of Exodus, which speaks of God coming and resting upon the Ark of the Covenant and filling the Ark of the Covenant and making it holy. This is exactly what what the Holy Spirit does in Mary. Not just at the Annunciation, but at the Immaculate Conception first. At the moment of her creation, he fills her and makes her holy. He saves her from inheriting the original sin of Adam. The whole account on the visitation is another reference to Mary as the new Ark of the Covenant. When Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth, who was with child, we all know what happens when Mary comes to the door and greets Elizabeth. The child within Mary's, within Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy, just as David leaps at the presence of what? the ark. Mary is the ark. Mary holds within her womb, and she brings the presence and the glory of the Lord. In the presentation account, the old man, Simeon, comes to the temple, and as the gospel text says, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. Simeon recognizes that the glory of the Lord has come to the temple. The glory of the Lord has come back to the temple. And Mary is the new ark carrying the glory of the Lord within her womb the Holy of Holies, the holiest place on the face of the earth, the Holy of Holies, which held the Ark of the Covenant, the tablets of the law, the staff of Aaron, the manna in the desert. Now Mary comes to the temple. And within her womb, she's carrying the true ark. She's the true ark, carrying the Word made flesh. This biblical image tells us something very important about the mother of God. It tells us that whenever we go to her with childlike trust and confidence, she can do nothing but bring us into the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who dwell within her as they dwell nowhere else. She is the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the new Ark of the Covenant, holding the Word made flesh in her womb. Perhaps this is relating this to the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is behind me. This is why over 9 million people in Mexico in 531 in the subsequent years after that, nine million people came for baptism. That's over 2,000 baptisms a day. They knew, the people knew exactly what Mary was saying. She didn't even need to say a word. But just by the image itself and what the image conveys... The Indian people, the Aztec people, knew exactly that Mary was holding within her womb, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. She was carrying God within the context of her womb. They knew that she was not God, she was not a goddess, but that she was the handmaid of the Lord, that she was the God-bearer, the one that bore God in her womb, and that was bringing God to them. Again, there's nowhere on the face of this earth or in heaven that God dwells more perfectly than in her womb. We have no reason to be afraid of her. And many are, maybe even some good Catholics that don't quite know the history and the meaning of Mary's presence in salvation. Approach her as if a mother. She is the true Ark of the Covenant. To come to Mary is always to come into the presence of the glory of the lord the glory of the lord within her womb she always brings us directly to the true bread come down from heaven not just the tablets of Allah, law but the word made flesh and she carries within her the glory of the lord the true shepherd the true shepherd king that will shepherd you rightly she brings us into this presence that we might have greater faith that we might have greater hope and that burning charity in which she said yes to the lord as you pray the fourth joyful mystery today in the rosary in a special way again we We approach the Lord in this gospel passage with Simeon and Anna, and we bring all of those people in our lives who may be away from the practice of the faith. And with Simeon and Anna, who are patrons, you could say, of the elderly, those people who await not just Messiah, but wait for their children to come back, who are begging the Lord that their children return to the practice of the faith. Entrust your children and trust your child today to the glory of the Lord, to marry the new Ark of the Covenant, who holds within her womb the glory of the Lord, the true Holy of Holies. Mary, Mother of God and Mother of the Church, pray for us.